Hello, everyone. I want to thank you for tuning in to the local DMV Business and Leisure podcast. DMV stands for D.C., Maryland, Virginia. Follow us, the local DMV Business and Leisure podcast, on Instagram and on Facebook, local DMV Biz, B-I-Z, and Leisure podcast on Facebook. My name is Lisa. I'm digital marketing consultant and podcast host here today. We're excited that who we have here today. We're going to be diving into some of the wonderful neighborhoods here in the district. And how are you doing today, Peggy? I'm great. How are you, Lisa? I'm fine. I'm fine. It's a little hot, but, you know, it's summer, so I'm not going to complain. <laughs> let, me, let me introduce uh, Peggy Robin and all of her awesomeness. She's a publisher and moderator of the Cleveland Park Listserv, and their website is cleveland-park.com. And Peggy Robin is the co-founder of Cleveland Park Listserv, and that's been running since November of 1999. It's not only the largest neighborhood online forum, now with over 12,000 members, but it's one of the longest running in the U.S. and still thriving. It grows by 20 to 25 members a week. Peggy Robin has appeared on the Today Show, the Maury Povich Show, and the Diane Reem Show, as well as numerous other local DC TV and radio shows. She graduated from the University of California, Berkeley, and has been on Jeopardy. Peggy is also the author of over a dozen books, all nonfiction how-tos on a variety of subjects, including women, health, uh, work issues, child care, and some of the ones of note are um, Kids' Letters to President Obama, Simon Schuster, 2009. And if you... If I knew it was going to be this much fun, I would have become a grandparent first by Willard Scott and Friends, and that was in 2004. And uh, how are you doing, Peggy? I mean, you've done a lot of awesome things, Peggy, I'll tell you. Yes, I, uh, well, I won't disagree with that. <laughs> I've had an interesting time both as a writer and as running this neighborhood forum, which is kind of my current incarnation. Yes, I will say you surprised me with that sneaking out Maury Povich situation on, on me. I had, we had a, a good conversation, but you didn't let that little cat out the bag. So, you know, I'm going to ask, do you want to share? I mean, this show has gotten, it's gotten into a very niche around dating and relationships, but it seems as though it had a very different and more journalistic carnation in your time when you were there. That's right. That's right. When I was on the show, I was invited on as the author of a book called How to Be a Successful Fertility Patient. And this was oh, quite some time ago, so fertility treatments were still fairly new and somewhat controversial. He, he still was somebody who liked to stir up controversy. So he did invite on some people who had had bad experiences with fertility treatments and some people who had good experience. And he was trying to get us to disagree with each other and kind of fight about it. But we all kind of had the same attitude, which was this is an awesome technology that is making it possible for a lot of couples to have children who previously couldn't. And even though there are some were some bad custody battles coming out of it and controversies over it, on the whole, it was a very good thing and a very big advance. It was a very nice show when I was on it. I was very glad to be on it and glad to have the opportunity to talk about fertility treatment from the patient's point of view. Well, and it's all, all were very nice, too. Oh, and I, I thank you for that. And then, like I said, it's gone more of a relationship focus nowadays. But it's interesting to see that you saw a little bit of that ability to stir up controversy even in those early carnation of the show. It's interesting that you noticed that. <laughs> so, so with that being said, we do have a favorite question here, Peggy, but I'm sure you'll answer it easily. Are you consider yourself a D.C. native or a newbie? Well, I wish I could consider myself a native, but I have to give a nod to the first 14 years of my life when I was living in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we moved to this area, uh, first to the suburbs of um, Bethesda when I was a teenager, and I graduated from BCC High School in this area and went away to college for four years, but came right back and have been here ever since. That's since uh, 1976, I think. <laughs> so 
that's a near native, I think. You're pretty close. I will say, did you appreciate growing up in Bethesda being, the being in the backyard of the NIH at the time, or is that something that more kind of came to your awareness oh, as you got Bethesda older? Bethesda was so great when I was living there. I had, I had been kind of devastated to leave Atlanta, which was the only city I really mm-hmm. knew growing up as a kid, and I had loved Atlanta. When I came to Bethesda, I, was, I, I made so many good friends so fast. They're still my good friends. The, most of us are still in Washington. That just shows our, our dedication to this area. Were you able to ever visit the NIH? Because that's a big, you know, critical organization there in that area. And, and were you aware of that growing up that the NIH was in Bethesda? Yes, and I had friends whose parents worked at NIH. And in fact, I've been called once or twice and asked if I wanted to participate in any studies at NIH. I actually volunteered for one of the vaccine studies the year before last when they were just starting. You know, in in 2019, when they just discovered the virus, they were asking people if they wanted to participate. I signed up, but they didn't choose me. (laughs) Another critical question, because, you know, both Atlanta and Washington, D.C. have great baseball teams. Is your allegiance split, or are you solidly a Nationals fan? Oh, I'm a fan. No, no, no. I'm uh, uh, when I was, in fact, when I was living in Atlanta, that was so long ago, they didn't even have a major league team. They didn't? Oh, well. Okay. No. No. They got the Braves from Milwaukee. Oh, okay. But that was just as I was leaving. Okay. So you can you fully be behind the Nationals without a sleep loss, I take it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. What is one of your hidden gems that you personally go to related to either food, music, or shopping? And that could be in Cleveland Park or in the DMV in general. We like to give people the inside scoop of what the natives or, you know, almost natives like to visit? Well, I actually have a new one. There oh. is a new store that's just come to Cleveland Park. It's called Femme Fatale. It just opened up in the 3400 block of Connecticut Avenue, and they have all kinds of women-made, handmade objects. They've got clothing. They've got crafts. I was just in it for the first time a month or so ago, just as they opened. So I'm happy to be able to tell people about this because they're, they're still pretty new and they're still trying to find their footing. It's, they're very different, too. They're, they're not like any other store that I've been to in the neighborhood. It seems like they definitely have a nice niche there. Another critical question, because you have such a long track record of success and you've done so many amazing things. Is it tea, coffee, water, or nothing first thing in the morning that's fueled this long track record and career of success? What, what, what is that first thing in the morning? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm definitely a coffee person. I, the one thing I have to be careful of is not to have coffee too often during the day. Start to hit it around the afternoon or evening. It's going to be over caffeine for me. So, um, but I'll, I'll still drink coffee. I'll just switch to decaf. Hot, I'll drink iced coffee or iced tea. With it being hot, Peggy, do you have any recipe tips for great cold brew iced tea? I mean, cold brew coffee. My apologies. <laughs> I just make a regular cup of coffee and then ice it. Very <laughs> simple. You, you let it naturally ease into being ice. Is, 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 is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, oh. I won't put I won't put ice cubes in a hot cup of coffee because they'll just melt right away. <laughs> I like your tip. I think that's very doable even for me because I'm, I'm like, okay, well, let me get the pencil and paper out. But I, I can have a cup just sit around and sit around. <laughs> I, I think I could possibly do that. You share with us, you know, in honor of the summer superhero action movie, or your, a little bit of your superhero origins. You know, I mentioned your opening being a successful writer with several books. Tell me about successful writer. I kind of fell into it in a way when, when I married my husband, who uh, was a successful writer already, uh, he had several book ideas that he was brewing on, and he couldn't. He had so many ideas he couldn't do them all at once. So he said, "Hey, why don't you do this one?" So some of the first books I, I worked on were 
quotation books of famous people. You just look up their quotations and you really throw together it's almost an instant book. And uh, it wasn't until later that I started getting into doing books on issues that were personally important to me, like the fertility treatment book. Mm -hmm. I did a a book on how to hire, how to safely hire a nanny and check the nanny out. Uh, That was Mm -hmm. called the Safe Nanny Handbook. And that was also based on my personal experience. For all the books based on my personal experience too, I would also interview other people. So it wasn't just me, you know, I'm interviewing a couple hundred women uh, for the fertility treatment patient's book and uh, interviewed the, about the same number for the Safe Nanny Handbook. And then we also got into something that was called celebrity essay books, mm. where we'd come up with a, a subject like how, how great is it to be a grandparent? Mm-hmm. We'd get a celebrity grandparent like uh, Willard Scott, who was the, the longtime uh, weatherman on the uh, Today Show. Do you want to be the celebrity name on this book? You don't have to do anything except write your own essay about how great it is to be a grandparent. Yeah. And then we write to other celebrities and say, Willard Scott is doing this book. Do you want to give your thoughts on being a grandparent? We get, you know, 50 of his friends. And then we've yeah. got a book on being a grandparent with some some really great names talking about how great it is to be a grandparent. And it's a great gift book, too. I should have to say that. And the the same thing with the uh, kids' letters to President Obama, uh, that we did have a contact uh, in the White House who uh, told us that we could take a look at the kids' letters to President Obama. And we had kids from every state who wrote to him and uh, put those together in a book. That was how we did that one. And I like I like the idea of kids' letters. And just as did you always have an investigative or uh, leanings towards writing early, or do you see where that pattern kind of emerged throughout your life before this? You really got successful with the books. Did you see that emerging for yourself early on? You know, I used to do creative writing as a kid, and I had a lot of short stories and things like that in the high school paper, <laughs> that sort of thing. When I got out of college, I realized, well, I've got to get a real job. So, uh, so my a real job. It's not a job that people pay you for all that often, I found. It wasn't until much later that I had contacts with publishers and mm-hmm. could do these kind of celebrity books. I still have it on the back burner to get back to fiction one of these days, but it might be kind of late for that, <laughs> I think. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I've now thrown myself into running this neighborhood listserv, mm-hmm. and we've got 12,000 subscribers, and it just people are posting messages all day long and all night long really Um, I I don't put through messages at night though I do have to stop sometimes I I do have to speak sometimes but it is a full-time job what brought you to Cleveland Park and then I guess we do want to learn more Uh, about Blister but what brought you to Cleveland Park when I moved when I graduated from college I wanted to move back to uh, Washington I went to Mm -hmm. UC Berkeley which was a great university I am not a California girl so (laughs) I wanted to be on the east coast wanted to be where the rest of my family was where my friends were I came back here, and I was living with my parents for a few weeks, and but I wanted to get in my own place. So I looked in the newspaper. I, we had a bunch of friends who wanted to just, you know, people in their mid-20s who wanted to get a house together. I looked in the houses for rent in the newspaper, and we mm-hmm. found a house that had a typo that had the, the rent so high. We thought that I thought to myself, it must be a typo. That nobody would pay that much rent. But if you took, if you moved the decimal place, it was a very reasonable rent. So I called the real estate agent and said, is that house available? And she said, yes, but nobody's called about it. And I said, well, maybe it's because of the typo in the rent. And she said, oh, my God, there's a typo in the rent. 
And sure enough, it was for a very reasonable rent, and we got the house right away. <laughs> so I moved in with a group of friends. We lived there for a few years, and uh, eventually I met my husband. We started working on books together. It became a full-time job. In 1999, we started the Lister, which was originally just a hobby, a little thing we were doing on the side. Had no idea when we started it. It would become this, this great enterprise, Aww. and it would be connecting 12,000 readers, and wow. people could use it to find a plumber or to recommend restaurants or to ask what to do about their parking tickets. I mean, you can find out anything on the Cleveland Park Listserv. I guess just to go back to the listserv for a moment, particular problems you were, because usually I always say great entrepreneurs like yourself start with a problem they're solving themselves. Whether there's a certain problem or two or three problems you were looking to solve by starting the listserv? thing about the listserv, which made it so wonderful, since we started it originally as a hobby, as something we were running on the side, just doing for fun, we were just thrilled when it took off by itself. It spread by word of mouth. We didn't really have to do anything. Before you knew it, you know, we had a 1,000 members, and then we had 2,000 members. And we were in the Washington Post at the end of the first year because we were already the biggest listserv in the city. Didn't have a problem until it got so big that it was becoming a full-time job. And then we decided, okay, somebody's going to have to pay for the amount of time that goes into this. And real estate agents wanted to use it to advertise their houses. Plumbers and electricians wanted to advertise. So we started taking ad revenue, and, and, and now it's like a daily it's almost like a daily paper, but it's all online. So when I meant problem, I guess problem that you were solving and creating, like the reason you said we need a listserv because I'm looking for, I don't know, a good nanny or I, I don't know, nobody knows what a good farmer's market is. Is there a particular reason that, I guess, nudge you to say, yeah, listserv might be a way to get address this problem in, in Cleveland Park. Does that make sense, my question? Well, we had seen that somebody had created exactly this for Adams Morgan. We weren't the first. Okay. We were the second. We had, a, uh, we had a model. At the time, all of the listservs were on Yahoo Groups. Yahoo mm-hmm. Groups has since kind of collapsed. Oh, wow. But uh, fortunately, we moved to another platform called Groups.io. People can find us at, at cleveland-park.com, and then you get the link to our Groups.io platform. Okay. But they can also go directly to Groups.io. Okay. and look for Cleveland Park with no hype. So I want to get into giving people a little bit of the awesomeness of Cleveland Park because it originally was not part of D.C. It was actually part of like a streetcar suburb of the city, like people live their summer homes well, there and all of that. Is that correct? Yes. At, at the very beginning, at the turn of the, the century in the 1880s and 90s up to the early 1900s, Cleveland Park was a, a brand-new development, and it was over the city line. So mm-hmm. it was within the District of Columbia, which is mm-hmm. this 10-mile square diamond. But the, the city of Washington stopped at Florida Avenue. Okay. And anything north of Florida, Florida Avenue was within the District of Columbia, but outside the city of Washington city limits. Okay. And the, the streetcar went what was then over the brand-new bridge, the Taft Bridge that took you over Rock Creek Park. The streetcar station was at Connecticut and Macomb Street. Aww. And uh, and then it went all the way up to Chevy Chase, which was another brand new suburb. Oh, wow. And uh, we actually have the historic real estate brochure that was created to sell these brand new houses for three thousand dollars each. Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. It's quite a bargain, and they would say, you know, the, these brand new houses have every charm of modern suburban living. Uh, there's a stables uh, down at Connecticut Avenue, and uh, you can also have your choice of gas light or electric light um, it's it's really a charming historic brochure uh charlie Carl's shop is that still 
is that still a historical landmark? Can people visit that? No, no, that got torn down many, many years ago. Um, I, the Cleveland Park Library is there now, I believe. That's oh, okay. on that spot. Okay. Um, um, and, you know, the Cleveland Park Library, which was uh, first built in 1953, which was a, a little squat old Art Deco building. I thought it was mm-hmm. a very cute little building. Mm-hmm. But uh, they, they decided that when they wanted to renovate the library that they couldn't put a brand new library with all the modern things in this old 50s building. So they tore it down and they built us a brand new library. Mm -hmm. It is just glorious. It is just a wonderful creation. This is like people always say that cities can't build good things, that there's too much bureaucracy. But the city planners came together and they hired a good architecture firm. Our library is just the greatest thing. I love it. And it's at Connecticut and what's across the street? In Macomb Street. Connecticut McCombs. And it's, it's fully open now. They've Yay. just uh, gotten rid of all of the COVID restrictions and, you know, it's not timed entry anymore or anything like that. Anybody can go in. They've got everything you could possibly want. It does cover a little bit of the history of the area as well. I know it's a great new building, but it does give you a sense of the history of the area or no? I think they do have a, an exhibit showing the, the history of the area and the, the original library that was there and oh, this, this nice. new one. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm definitely, I, I think that sounds like I have a new library. <laughs> so once again, what was the name of that library? Uh, that's the Cleveland Park Branch, uh, the Cleveland Park DC Branch. Public Library. All right, that's great. And I agree, cities can make awesome things. You hinted at this a little bit when we talked about the 1800s and you know, becoming part of the city and all that. And it's well known for its architecture and the diversity of its architecture. Could you speak to that? I know it's got like Queen Anne, you got some colonial revival, some, some Dutch. Could you, it's a lot of different. Uh, yes, and we have a historic district. And one of the things that happens when you get a historic district is you have to kind of try to characterize the style of the neighborhood house. But Mm -hmm. we have so many different types of house styles. We really can't just say, well, this is Victorian houses or Queen Mm -hmm. Anne houses. We've got everything here. We've we've got Dutch colonial. We've got we've got a few modern houses. We've got an IMP house. Oh, yeah. It's uh, people don't know about it. The Cleveland Park Historical Society. I hope they're going to resume giving house tours, uh, walking tours of the neighborhood, because they know all of the different types of houses and they point out the architectural features. And it's a really great house tour. Like I said, I just love the diversity. Uh, of the architecture and that is, you know, 19th and 20th century focus because I, I feel like those are, well, all of, you know, all of the years are wonderful, but the, it's definitely some great architecture was built in those days and times. I think we want to give people a little sense locations. There is actually the Cleveland Park Metro stop, correct, Peggy? And then could you give yes. us a little intersections and where the main street is, just so people know where, where is it located? Yes, the, the heart of Cleveland Park, actually the Cleveland Park commercial strip, which starts at Macomb Street, and I think uh, it ends at Porter, Quebec. Then the whole residential area is to the west of, of Connecticut between those two streets, Macomb and Porter. It goes over to Wisconsin Avenue, uh, mm-hmm. again, between those same two streets. It's, it's a pretty walkable neighborhood. and It's a bit hilly. If you just you know, start at the Cleveland Park Metro stop, walk down Connecticut Avenue to Macomb, and then up Macomb to Wisconsin, you'll cover most of the neighborhood. And the National Cathedral is... is right on the uh, Wisconsin side, a few blocks south. Okay. So, and, um, so the main business corridor is uh, Connecticut Avenue, correct? Uh, and McCone and the other street are at the top and the bottom. Yes, we have a second, uh, kind of the western edge of the, 
the business district is the Wisconsin side from, let's say, Lowell to about about past, past Macomb, up to Porter maybe. Okay. Uh, on uh, both sides of Wisconsin and Connecticut, you've got a lot of great restaurants. Um, on the Wisconsin side, you've got a big giant kind of uh, more practical everyday stores. On the Connecticut side, we used to be really anchored by the Uptown Movie Theater, this mm-hmm. great Art Deco movie theater, yeah. but it closed down right before the pandemic. Okay. Um, the Historical so- Society is going to try to protect it. And then you did mention Historical Society. Could you uh, give us a little more information so we can support some of the great history uh, of uh, Cleveland Park? Do you have a desire? Because uh, would you like us to support it? And you know? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, I think it's just at ClevelandParkHistoricalSociety.org. It's a, it's a great organization. They got they're, they're the ones that campaigned for Cleveland Park Historic District in working hard to protect uh, little low scale commercial buildings. Uh, and as I said, they do walking tours and they can give you your house if you uh, have a house here. They'll they'll give you your house history if you oh, need wow. it. It's a great organization. And I just want to reemphasize that you have two com- uh, com- commercial districts for those who are coming to visit and want to shop and hang out, Connecticut Avenue and Wisconsin Avenue. So that's double the fun, which I think just adds to the history and double the fun outside of the history that one can, can pursue. So I think that's important that people know that. What can the families do? So, you know, people are clamoring to get out. We've been in uh, some form of the result of what's happening in the world. We've been home. It's hot. We want to get out. What What is your top three recommendations for families, Peggy? There's some wonderful open spaces in the neighborhood that where families can uh, for picnics. We've got we've got the Macomb Street Playground, but we've got these really great estates that are open to the public to walk through. We've got the Tregaron Estate, which is also uh, used by the Washington International School as their campus, but it is open to the public, and they've got walking trails. Okay. Uh, we've got the Rosedale Conservancy, which okay. is uh, got a certain amount of land that's set aside uh, as open meadows. That's a beautiful place. They've also got a dog park that people can join, uh, walk their dogs. Uh, And the third one is called Twin Oaks, which is uh, owned by the Taiwanese government. Mm -hmm. And it's usually not open to the public, but it is our third great old state on the grounds. But we also have uh, entrances to Rock Creek Park. You can go mm-hmm. right from Cleveland Park into Rock Creek Park. Oh, yeah. the, the Melvin Hazen Trail starts at uh, Connecticut and Tilden. Mm-hmm. And there's another entrance to that park, Reno Road and Tilden. You're 10 minutes from downtown, but you walk in that park, you'll see deer, you'll see foxes. Oh, a deer? A fox? Oh, absolutely. you got to be careful when you're driving through Cleveland Park. In the evening, in the morning, be careful of the deer. Is that a little tip? Absolutely. Now, what if we get hungry or, or want a cup of coffee or a nice nighttime nightcap? What do you recommend for food? Because we, we like to eat. Peggy, I know I like to eat. <laughs> and what we've got in the neighborhood is really so many different types of ethnic food. You know, we've got Italian with alvolo. We've got mm-hmm. Indian with Indy. We've got kind of the All-American Diner with the Silver Diner. That's on Ooh. the uh, Wisconsin Avenue side. Okay. One of my favorites is Cactus Cantina, which mm-hmm. has got this wonderful outdoor dining space. Oh. They made a lot of use of it during the pandemic. That's great. The, the one I want to give a special shout out sure. to is a called Medium Rare. It's a steakhouse. Oh, yeah. And during the pandemic, the owner decided that people weren't going out to eat, but he was going to bring food to people who needed it. And he organized yeah. this, this group of restaurateurs called Feed the Fridge. They set up 
places at rec centers all across the city where anyone who needs food, anyone, you don't have to prove that you need it. You can just walk in and get food. And he also on Thanksgiving, he gave free Thanksgiving dinners to all of the elderly who asked for it. I mean, that, it was just phenomenal generosity. And the neighborhood has been very supportive of him. And, of course, he runs a really great steakhouse. Do you have a favorite steak from them or just all the steaks you recommend any steak? Well, the the thing, they're, they're kind of a single-menu restaurant. It's, it's really interesting. Their concept is we make one steak dish, and that's what we make really well. You choose this or that steak. It's like, this is our steak. You'll love it. And I do. And I they like have it. one other meal for people who are vegetarian. So you can bring oh, a vegetarian really? friend to oh. medium rare. Oh, oh, medium rare. Okay, well, that's great. That's great. I, so I, I like the name. It's, it's called Medium Rare, correct? Correct. Oh, I love what they're doing. The restaurants that I've named, like Cactus Cantina and mm-hmm. Medium Rare, that, that hung in there and mm-hmm. kept feeding people even when they were losing money. I, I, I just admire these people so yes. much. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Because so many, we, we did lose a great deal of, oh, no. um, of our restaurants. We do have Barcelona, which is a Spanish tapas restaurant, and they do, they do a lot of seafood. Barcelona is on the Wisconsin side. Yeah, Barcelona, it's at uh, Wisconsin, I think right above Newark Street. Okay, well, there, there we go, Barcelona. So Barcelona, but we also want other, we place those other awesome restaurants um, that were great. They say they are no longer with uh, Cleveland Park. So Barcelona is, but hopefully there'll be more coming soon. We talked about the families and food, because that's important. But what about for those who are, you know, young, young professionals and adults that are looking for something for date night, hopefully get a date, what location <laughs> would you recommend now that we're all out and about in the heat? So there's the, the Cleveland Park Sports Bar, and there's Nanny O'Brien's. There's Atomic Billiards. They also, Atomic Billiards has also um, put on a lot of events during the pandemic where they, they would uh, have an, kind of like an outside party just to try to keep people's spirits of Atomic Billiards. It, we did hint at this a little bit of that you, you have a sense of being in the suburbs and the forwards and, and the, as a result of Cleveland Park. Could you talk about that a little bit, Rock Creek Park, a little bit more? And also, there's a planetarium, I believe, within Rock Creek Park. Am I correct, Peggy? Within Rock Creek Park, but, you know, yeah. it's a drive from Cleveland Park. Oh, well, really? Okay. What's very interesting now is that there's a big move to close the roads in Rock Creek Park, and, and, you know, leave open Rock Creek Parkway, the big road, but close some of the smaller roads like Beach Drive and mm-hmm. make them hiking and biking only. Okay. And that's very controversial. There's hearings going on now. Oh, really? I don't okay. know how it's going to come out. I'm sure they're going to leave you, if you, since it is a drive to the planetarium, I'm sure they're going to leave you some way to drive to it. In terms of the planetarium, have you been there? Do you have any thoughts about the planetarium that you want to share? I've been to the planetarium so long ago that I can't really share any news of it. I have been to the Nature Center, which is right next to it. I did that during the pandemic when my daughter was down here visiting. Uh, she and I took a hike up to the Nature Center. That was delightful. That was really a good thing to do, you know, when, when people couldn't gather indoors in crowds. Yeah, and the that, Nature that Center, was definitely... is that mostly uh, indigenous plants? What's, what's happening at the Nature Center? Yes, and, and they have a whole exhibit. I think the indoor exhibits have reopened again. You can see the whole natural history of, of this whole area, what it was oh, like wow. before there were any, any, any cities here or anything like that. And the Park Service the Rangers there are so knowledgeable. They are just oh. absolutely great. Shout out to the Park Rangers. So you can, you can probably make a whole half a day at a planetarium in the Nature Center. Really, if, 
family or yes. you know. Or oh, and there are there are hours long hikes that you can do. You'd never imagine you were in the city if you start one of these hikes. And I believe it's thirty two miles, correct, for Rock Creek Park, or thirty two miles for Rock Creek Park, or park there to explore. Sounds like you've looked it up, so I'm going to go with that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we're going to move on to you. Let's talk about that newsletter. We hinted at it earlier on. What kind of treats and insight looking to visit the neighborhood or newbies? To the, to the district. What, what kind of treats await us in the newsletter, uh, Peggy? Well, the thing is that you can ask any question that you want. Like, you can say, I'm having my out-of-town guests come to Cleveland Park. You know, where do you rec- what, what restaurant do you recommend I take them? Or um, they're going to have, like, a, a toddlers. But where should I take the toddlers? And you get the answer. And you'll get a lot of answers. I mean, people are so creative. It's really the best thing about it, that the information you want just that. We can look back through the historical data and see what people may have already asked this question. I'm, I'm guessing that's a right. lot of people say, that's hey, right. I, my cousin's coming. What am I going to do? That's a we've got question. a 20-year archive. You, oh, wow. Um, yeah, that's right. You type what you're looking for in that search box. If it's a two- or three-word phrase, you put it within quotation marks, hit search, and you shall find. Okay, wow. Yeah, so I think just it might be a treasure trove of information just, you know, preparing. You don't really have to even ask the question. You can go through 20 years of what's there. That's okay. exactly right. And sometimes I'll say to people, if, if somebody asks a question that's been asked many, many times, I'll say, oh, yes, this is in the archives. Send them the search instructions, and I'll usually look up some of the answers for them and say, here are two or three answers. Mm-hmm. You, you want to find pages more of answers? Here's how to look. Where can they sign up and join, get, get, in, get connected to the magic that is the newsletter, Peggy? So if you go to www.cleveland-park.com, you'll find all the information about how it works, how to join. There are different methods of signing up. Some people want to get every individual message that comes out. Some people will find, oh, I don't want to get 50 messages a day. That is way too much. So they can get a different curated version of it. They can get what's called the Daily Digest, or they can get the Daily, the daily Summary, which gives you the highlights of the previous day's list. It's very much something you can tailor to what works for you. What do you find is optimal for those who want to kind of keep a beat on it every message they don't want so much. What, what is the optimal way to stay in touch? I guess I don't know if there's a bad or good way per se, but should we get the daily digest? Should we go the week thing? Um, I don't know. What, is the best? what do you uh, recommend? There's nothing that's once a week, but the, the daily summary once a day mm-hmm. will give you everything, but it will be one email a day, and that's it. And then when you open that one email a day, you see a list of the topics. So you oh, can wow. just skim that list. If you're interested in one of the topics, you can click on it mm-hmm. and read about it. If you're not interested in the rest, I, I like that. So I think everybody get that get the daily digest. That's the way to go. Uh, you heard it from Peggy. She went serious. Yeah. Now on the introductory page at www.cleveland-park.com, you'll it will explain to you. You go to the frequently asked questions page, the FAQ. You'll see all this laid out. Here's individual messages. Here's the digest. Here's the summary. Here's no email at all option. Then how to do it. Share with us the magic. That is uh, coming up, uh, I guess we're in the heat of the summer as we are, but the rest of this summer into the fall is happening because now we're opening back up. Share with us the magic. Well, the big news that I just found out today is that the zoo, which is right at the edge of our neighborhood, is going to open up for walk-in visitors, no timed entry, no booking for tickets in advance. All of the Smithsonian's are going to open up for a full entry from everyone. And of course, our library, as I just said, our library just opened up. So that's great. We're we're coming back to life. It's been a rough 18 months. So as of probably this weekend, you can go to the library and the zoo 
unticketed. So this weekend, like the mid, I guess, July 17th or so, you can start just going unticketed and just correct. Right. And what other magic? Do you have neighborhood events? Uh, are there going to be new stores opening, barbecues, book sales, bake sales, puppy parades? I don't know. <laughs> um, well, you know, we, we had our big 4th of July event, so we're past that. I think it, things are going to be kind of quiet until – the Labor Day event. We have a we have a little kind of neighborhood swimming pool called the Cleveland Park Club, and they have Labor Day races. You know, Washington. Once it gets hot in July and August, so many people leave town. So <laughs> we do kind of go through our dead period. We're we're about to approach that now. But well, there's still fun. There's still restaurants, and there's still the park. Rock That's park. right. Those restaurants are now kind of you can sit indoors in the yes. air conditioning. None of these outdoor tented streeteries anymore i mean they still have the streeteries but oh that's right um in a way that's been nice kind of brought some more street life once it starts being in the 90s every day you want to go inside in that air conditioning it's good that the restaurants are now open for that probably want to thank you peggy we we do have some bonus content but we want to thank you could you uh quickly shout out uh, the website social media anything that so we can keep up with all the awesomeness and fun that's happening Absolutely. I'm happy to do that. Again, it's www.cleveland-park.com. And from there, you'll find links to uh, join the, the Cleveland Park Listserv. And also, if you are interested in the historic things that we were talking about, there's the Cleveland Park Historic Society at clevelandparkhistoricalsociety.org. And I'll also give a quick shout-out to the Cleveland Park Citizens Association, which also lists a lot of do in the neighborhood. And we have the Cleveland Park Business Association, too. It's a pretty new organization. You can just Google that. I don't know the, the Cleveland Park Business Association website off the top of my head. I believe it's called Cleveland Park Main Street. But, uh, yeah, Google Cleveland Park Main Street, and you'll get right to it. And that will tell you all the restaurants, all the businesses, what they're doing to kind of get the street life going again. Now that we're mostly vaccinated and people are starting to feel confident again, been a rough year, though. Yeah, and that's why we're so excited to tell these stories and share these little nuggets. We First and foremost, we want to thank you for all the hard work here um, through the listserv to get the information out and, and just really keep the neighborhood connected, especially during this time. I think, you know, every piece of technology it, it can be of great use, and I think you're really showing the power of a listserv to connect and help people. And, you know, one of the things that we learned during this, because people do think of Cleveland Park as this kind of rich, privileged neighborhood, we discovered all kinds of people who needed services and weren't getting them. And they came to the listserv and they said, you know, this is a very tough time for us. The the listserv, uh, working together with War 3 Mutual Aid Network, people just stepped up to the plate and they helped out. And it was really it was really encouraging to see that. That's great. And, and that just shows the power of people like yourself with the technology. I think people don't, you know, say, listen, oh, that's old technology. You know, if anything that's yeah. helping people and moving the needle in society is, is of you. So I want to say thank you. I'm going to, I'm going to stop this part, and I'm, I just want to give a shout-out once again. And thank you to Peggy. Please follow up all that. Thank you. No problem. And then I'm going to also tell them uh, that you can also follow us on social media because we'll also be we're going to be sharing the content from the Cleveland Park area. So follow us on social media at uh, the local DMV Business and Leisure Podcast on Instagram and the local DMV Biz, B-I-Z, and Leisure on Facebook, local DMV Biz, B-I-Z, and Leisure on Facebook. So we're going to um, close this part, and then we're going to go. Uh, we have some bonus content, so hopefully you'll stay tuned for the bonus content. <laughs>